Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Good morning and welcome to your Partner in Success Radio, where top performers share their secrets to help you achieve your personal and professional goals. I am your host, Denise Griffiths, and together with my incredible guests, we bring you inspiring and actionable insights to help you take your life and your business to the next level. Ranked in the top 2% globally, this podcast is really a must-listen, so let's dive in. And today, I am joined by Elliot and Dominic Chapman, two entrepreneurial brothers who have taken the business world by storm over the last few years. And together, they have built a group of successful agencies across the UK and the US through a combination of growth and strategic acquisitions. The agencies operate under Chapman Capital and include a business-to-business growth, B2B, growth agency that has worked with some of the world's largest tech brands, a podcast booking agency, that's how they wound up here, that has booked guests in over 2,200 podcast episodes with 700 hosts, a TV ad agency in London, and a full-service marketing agency. And I have to tell you, I had written out a whole bunch of stuff about Elliot to introduce him and then to uh, to introduce Dominic. And I figured rather than you having to listen to me that I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves because these are fascinating guys. So Elliot, if you would, start going, start talking. Start talking. Denise, thank you so much for uh, for having us on. Um, so I'm Elliot. I am one half of Chapman Capital alongside uh, brother half-decent friend um, <laughs> and business partner, probably in those orders, because I'd have to say that because our parents do listen. Um, and Dom and I started working together uh, about five years ago-ish, Dom, something yeah. around then, um, when we both had a similar problem. I was running a um, an IT management consultancy, which was the family business at the time, and we struggled to acquire new customers. We struggled to get in the room with um you know with our right prospects and it was a really really challenging sell um and dom's half of the story will intertwine with my half um but dom and i essentially worked together to create a solution which accidentally turned out to to be our first business we both um planned our exit from our two respective businesses um and wound up starting Social Chaps, which is the B2B growth agency um, that you referred to in your wonderful intro there. And that was our very first sort of foray into working together as brothers um, and also growing an agency, which has now turned into, into our lives. And you're very young, both of you. Thank you. I don't I don't often get told that. Um, <laughs> that's, and, well, that's because that's there's no video on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be able to know who was the oldest and who was the youngest if the video was on. But well, we are, have, we are reasonably. I have a young. picture of you, and I can't tell. I thought you were twins, even though I knew that you were. <laughs> so. Well, that's backfired, doesn't it, Dom? Yeah, because that's not an insult on me. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you both are quite young. The oh, in before I get too far away from myself, but you both quite young to have the history that you have in business. And Dominic, tell us about you. Yeah, so um, I started my first business when I was uh, 19 years old, sort of fell into starting a business, which was a uh, design agency. So we worked with a few a few decent businesses within the UK, decent sized businesses, um, and helped them with sort of design, mobile and video production. Um, so really working on sort of a number of projects. And then uh, myself and the co-founder at the time, we wanted to go into the world of tech and as two uh, very young, naive uh, individuals, we thought we could disrupt uh, the recruitment world. So we started um, a recruitment technology platform, um, raised a seed round of investment, launched the platform. Um, and then again, this is where mine and Elle's uh, stories intertwine. We were sat, we sort of shared an office in Bournemouth and um you know, we had this money and we invested a little bit in other marketing agencies and we got nothing in terms of, um, you know, customers onto the platform. So I sort of went into the world and I had L to lean on from a sales perspective um, and my business partner at the time from a sort of a creative perspective. And we put together this system that um, allowed us to sort of build relationships at scale, um, which is sort of where the B2B lead generation agency was born. Um so we tested and iterated within within STEMX, the business at the time. Uh, we were able to scale that. Um, so we worked with some, you know, the likes of Shazam, Tommy Hilfiger, um, and ran all of their video recruitment online um, globally for them. We then used that within um, Elle's business in the consulting business, uh, and it worked again. Um, I then exited my business um, and L shortly after. And we we sort of then stumbled into the agency world, um, having been on the side of it where we didn't have the best experiences, uh, which is sort of ironic now because we run um, a number of agencies. But I guess having the experience on the other side of it, we know how it feels. Um, and I guess, yeah, now we're here. You guys don't sleep much, do you? <laughs> sleep very well, actually. Um, I was going to say, I sleep like a baby. Sleep like a baby every night. I I look forward to uh, to bed. We we've got to be quite strategic in sort of our working day. Um, we're up early. We're talking, normally messaging and communicating by sort of half six, seven o'clock. But there is, I guess, this is where the relationship it go it, it does go deeper than just business partners. In that we are pushing each other on both in our personal lives, so making sure that we are committing to exercise, making sure that we're committing to, you know, good diets, making sure we're pushing ourselves with personal challenges as well. Because otherwise, I think we both agree that we're not going to be in a position to bring our best selves um, on a day-to-day basis. So we do genuinely sleep well because we cram an awful lot into the days. But at the same time, we, you know, Friday afternoons, you probably won't get an awful lot out of us. And we do genuinely switch off over the weekend and use that time to to fully recharge. So I think externally it might look quite intense, um, but it certainly feels manageable on the inside, most weeks anyway. 
I understand. I try to do the same thing. I get a kick out of people who say, oh, I sleep like a baby. Babies wake up every 45 minutes or two hours. <laughs> That's true. How <laughs> people you sleep like a teenager, you can vacuum over them. They don't budge. So. <laughs> yeah, I've got a five-year-old. I definitely don't sleep like a baby. That is no. quite right. Listen, before we get you know too, too far into me asking you just oddball questions, You've got, there were three things that I wanted to ask you about. One was unveiling the ideal partnership, which is basically mastering the craft of selecting your co-founder. I think so many of us have trouble with that. Mm -hmm. And then the second one was organizing the chaos, which I really love, stream, streamlining your business to business, B2B business with five essential strategies. Those are important. And then power moves using your acquisitions to surpass the 1 million revenue milestones. So you guys start wherever you want to go and I will just listen and take lots and lots of notes because I want to do what you do. Cool. Um, all right. So let's start with, um, with the relationship. So um, Dom and I can speak from experience of, um, I'd like to say we've got this relationship, right? Because it's worked up to this point. And there's a couple of things that we do, um, we do well and we've learned from our previous business relationships. So the first is we've got, this does help that we are brothers, but we've got a deep innate trust in each other um, in that we are, we know that we are always aligned. And when whenever we're not aligned, there'll be a message typically late at night, which says we need to speak first thing in the morning. We're not aligned and doesn't need to be severe. It doesn't need to be a difficult conversation. It is whenever you've got two founders coming at it from typically slightly different angles, you've got different motivators, you've got different goals in life. Often the balance of power is slightly wrong. So we've got an, you know, a deep trust that we are, we're both aligned. We're both working towards the same mission. We are quite literally blood. So if there's ever a disagreement, I know exactly how to approach that because we spent our first 15 years of our lives fighting. I mean, literally throwing each other off of sofas, pretending to be WWE wrestlers. So that gives you a foundation of trust that we know how each other thinks. We know almost what each other's next move is before the other person does. So we can second guess um, what the other's doing. And therefore, we know how to deliver good news and bad news. So he knows how Dom knows how to get the best out of me and, and vice versa. Other people will probably find that a little bit more challenging. Um, I know that the team that we work with, you know, often struggle to be on the same wavelength as Dom and I. But we've had the advantage of, whilst not directly, but working together, you know, whether it be playing video games, whether it be playing sport, whether it be whatever it is, we've been working together and building this relationship for 27, 28 years. So we, I feel like we do have an advantage there. Um, Dom, yeah. feel the same? Yeah, I completely feel the same. I just, you know, for, for, for people listening, obviously that is something we're, we're blessed and very lucky with. I think going and finding a, a business partner, sometimes you're not going to get all of those things. And I think, We've obviously both had uh, business partners where it hasn't quite worked to the same level. Um, and I think the, the sort of the takeaways that we can take, you know, from other relationships is finding people who 
one completely complement you um so you know you're not doing sat doing the same thing so a lot of agency owners will go into business with someone else who you know they're both specialists at facebook ads let's team up that's no good because when one of you needs to get stuck in with sales or stuck in with finance no, neither of you want to pick it up because you both be wanting to do delivery whereas obviously me and i'll have this relationship where we come up things with completely different skills um so that's really important is finding a a co-founder who's going to complement you and support you in what you are and, and vice versa um for me that's one the other is um uh, finding someone who um knows when to drop their ego um which is a massive thing with business owners and co-founders um they can derail situations that could have quite easily been you know a manageable situation just because it wasn't their decision or someone said something slightly wrong um and they completely derail situations um again me and Ella are very lucky that we've seen that happen with other co-founders and we do not want to be those people where the team feel like they can't come to you or you don't you feel nervous going into a com- um a conversation because you don't know how they're going to react um I'm trying to think of a few other things, but well, it's, I think it's just recon- yeah, it's just recognizing the red flags early on and accepting that, you know, if they're going to be like that, it's it's hard to change someone. Um, and there's enough people out there. It's similar advice to relationships, ironically. Oh, I mean, right, that is ironic. Um, <laughs> definitely don't take a relationship advice off you, but I we do have a live example of now, uh, but... yeah, <laughs> we do have a, a live example of. I guess how we do leave our egos aside. So quite clearly, Dom and I um, have very different skill sets. Um, if it's not already come across, Dom is much more technically gifted um, than I could ever dream of being. Um, and I much prefer the finance side of the business, the operational side of the business and the sales side of the business. Despite that, and despite clearly having two very different roles, we will always have the same job title and we do that so that from an, from people looking from the outside in there is no hierarchy whilst one of us may make a decision um without the other's approval in a certain area of the business what we want for the team what we want for people looking in is that dom and i are united and there is no hierarchy you know dom's not the boss and i'm not the boss we are collectively making decisions and we are literally 50 50 on everything in our lives um so that is a conscious decision which granted is unusual um to get a joint ceo of a business or an agency but it is something that we are very very conscious of well and that makes sense and dom you said something everything you were talking about with you know co-founders also in my view applies to teams as well. And you said something that really grabbed my attention because look, I'm a web developer by trade. I do my podcasting because I love it. And I get to meet people like you from all over the world. This is not my business, however. And I have a team. I've had many of the same team members for a lot of years, but I found out pretty early on that I was my own bottleneck because I was not hiring people who did something better than I did or did something different than I did. Now, all that to say, I don't ever ask any of them to do something that I can't actually do myself, but they're specialists. I'm not. 
I don't mm. have time to keep up on all of that stuff. I'm a, I'm a nerd in stilettos. I am techie. If I tried to keep up with all of the changes that go on in my world, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> It'd just it'd be over. I'd be probably dead, tired. I don't know. But <laughs> get out of your own way. Don't be your own bottleneck is what I'm taking from you. Yeah, absolutely. And you, I think as a as a business owner, you you do end up becoming a bit of a generalist, understanding enough to make the decisions and be in the conversation. But you shouldn't be the one hold, holding all the information um, exactly. across, across the business. That's exactly right. And that's what I was trying to say in a less elegant fashion. So thank you. <laughs> I think that's probably the first time Dom's ever been called elegant. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Well, I'm glad I could help. <laughs> so, so what else? I mean, we're talking about mastering the craft of, you know, selecting your co-founder. I'm sure that y'all have run into people that are coming to you and saying, y'all make it look seamless. Can you advise us? Which you're kind of doing right now. Yeah, and I guess in a, in a sort of a roundabout way, we we are doing that. Um, I think the the key thing is, is, I get well. We had this conversation with a with a client the other day. We got them to or advise them to write down their skill sets, but also this is really important. Write down what you actually want to do, because as Dom said, as an owner of the business or a founder of a business, you typically do start doing everything. And if we're honest about it, not everything is that exciting. You know, you do lean towards the things that you genuinely like doing. And what happens at the start of a relationship, so if you were to get into bed with a co-founder, you would probably be trying to impress them. And you would probably be saying, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Despite it not being your forte or maybe even something that you want to do long term. You know, I think a level of honesty around what you actually want to do, what actually excites you is as important as writing down your characteristics and then trying to marry up you know the perfect co-founder um and the other part around dom you know dom also mentioned sort of ego and leaving that at the door it's huge and you need to have somebody that that actually sits there and compliments you so making sure that you know you you've got enough about you to say listen this is what i'm not very good at will in my book give you more credibility than trying to blag it or trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes so advice is write down characteristics and write down and be very honest about what you actually do want to do on a day-to-day basis because that is for me more important than the skill set exactly don't write down everything you can do no i mean that's the worst thing but by the time you've written down page three you're tired yeah, and you and don't not, even want to work with you. I mean, you're sick of already. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, you're starting to annoy everybody because you're you can do everything, but the the reality is, we could all probably do most things within a business, but the difference between being able to do it and wanting to do it, you know, it's about would you get up on a Saturday morning and do, you know, something that you hate doing? What? Well, of course you wouldn't. So that need the same needs to be applied sort of Monday through Friday for you to genuinely get enjoyment out of your job. And that is whilst a lot of the time it gets lost, we should be enjoying what we do. Otherwise, what is the point? 
Well, you lose passion and you lose interest. So when somebody comes to you and you gave them terrific advice, and I wrote that down, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice today. But what do you tell people when they come to you and say, look, we're at a stalemate. We can't stand each other anymore. And I've seen that happen. Uh, uh, definitely uh, to advise. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I personally think it's accepting it's okay to to move on and not not be business partners. And I don't think every relationship works out forever. Um, if you can figure it out and go deeper under why it's not working. But a lot of the time it's because of difference in sort of vision or where you want to take the business um, more than, you know, how hard your your co-founders work in or you're working 10% harder. Those things I think are, are minor and can be worked out. I think if it's, I want to take the business in this direction and this person wants to take it in this direction, then you've got to work it out um, either by going, look, this isn't working. Let's split, split the business up. I'm going to take it. You take this um, or, you know, dig deeper and figure out how it works. Get, get an advisor in, um, get a third party opinion um, for someone to say, look, you boys are, you've, you've got the same vision. You want the same thing, but you're just saying different things. Um, it's very difficult, um, with a co-founder sometimes, you know, really trying to sell when they've got their, you know, sell your vision when they've got, got it so tunnel visioned in what, in their head, what they want it to be. Sometimes they just won't sway away from it. And I've seen it as well. Um, almost too, too rigid. Right. And I wanted to ask you. To and I, I mean, it, you mentioned working with your parents, I think, and you're working together. And I have interviewed on this podcast multiple times people who were part of generational family businesses, and they basically speak the same way you two do. It's family; they're going to work it out, and you know they they stay in touch. They're not going, hey, you know, I don't like you anymore. Don't come to Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Blood, blood is thicker than water. <laughs> You know, families are a lot of the time built on principles, which is why I think working with family is easier, in my opinion. A lot of people we speak to, they open with, I could never work with my brother or I could never work with my sister. I could never work with my parents. Well, the reality is you probably could. Um, the thought of it definitely seems worse than what it is. For me, it's a blessing because I've got somebody who understands me better than anybody else in the world. And therefore, I don't need to, if I don't bring my best self or I'm not feeling great, it's an easy conversation. It's, you know, there's no expectation. Dom knows what I'm capable of. Um, he knows that I'm, I'll turn up when needed and he knows the skill set. So for me, it's an absolute blessing to, to be with family because there's nobody else that knows you better. There's nobody else that knows you for who you are better than blood yeah and i i think the goes back to the trusting as well which is when you find it in a business partner the you know when we're disagreeing and i'm saying something which is completely different to l he knows i'm saying it from a place of i want to you know i want the best for both of us not i want the best for myself um and when you find that in a business partner where you know he's he or she is making that decision um for the better of the business and the better for the both of you and not a sole decision, 
um, it relieves a lot of pressure in a situation. And sometimes uh, you have to be the first one in that situation to do that, um, you know, to sort of lead the way on it. I have to say, I really admire the way you two speak of each other. Yeah, it's refreshing. It really, really is. So thank you. I really appreciate you being here. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, it's, it. yeah, it's, you know, the, the reality is as founders that you don't get many of these opportunities to actually, um, you know, just dominate. If we were sat next to each other, we wouldn't be talking like this, obviously. So this is a nice opportunity to, um, just to, rem I guess, just to remind each other of, you know, why we do this and we are doing this. We're not doing this solely for ourselves. We're doing it for each other as well and for our families. And that's what we're trying to build. So it's, it's a nice little reminder for the both of us. Well, I'm thoroughly enjoying the conversation. So I wanted to move on to my next question, which was, I don't know if it's a question or a statement or whatever it is, but streamlining your B2B business with five essential strategies. Strategies are critical. You can't just wake up and go, hey, I'm going to build a business today. I've tried that. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I think um, so from the top, it massively depends where you are in your business because from starting a business to, you know, your first, say, say you get to $10,000 a month or $20,000 a month, that's a completely different beast and business to when you get to um, 70, 80,000. And even, even, I'd say every 20, 30,000 in you add per month, um, the business is going to change. Um, and we always say sort of zero to zero to 10, zero to 20. Don't, don't worry about automating it. Um, it shouldn't be around automation. It should be all around building relationships with people, understanding the service you're delivering and, and delivering the best possible service with as much of, you know, as many customer interactions as you possibly can. Once you've, you've got to that point and you need to build up, then it's, you know, taking, <clears throat> taking a moment to look at the business and go, what can be automated, right? Let's look at the onboarding a customer, can that email be automated? Can that contract be automated? Can I automate the task from this to here? Um, once you've done that, maybe you can eke out another, I'd say 10, 10,000 a month um, in terms of revenue. And then it's, it's looking to bring people in who can take the important things off your plate. Um, and again, it goes back to Elle's point, which is writing down, um, you know, what's taking up your time, what are the things you're not enjoying and hiring great people um, who can take that off your plate. I know they're not proven. I know they're not, sorry, like individual strategies, but um, it really depends on where someone is in their, in their journey. Now, I don't know if you have anything to. to yeah. Well, I there. just want to go on. I just want to highlight something that we believe, which is the first thing that you were talking about, talking about around product market fit. I think Dom and I see all too often people trying to perfect their delivery, perfect what they're trying to sell before they've even sold it. Um, and they're trying to perfect a solution that they don't even know that people want. What we, the camp that we sit in is sell the service at a heavily discounted price so that, you know, you can say something along the lines of, this is a brand new product, brand new service. I need five new customers 
um, where I'm going to be testing out this brand new product. You can get it at um, essentially at cost. In three months' time, this service is going to be 3000 a month. I'm now selling it to the first five customers for 1000 a month in return for um, case studies, in return for whatever it is, right? In that period, you set the you set the tone that you are going to be fine tuning the the delivery, and you will find five customers that are happy to do that. So therefore, you've created a space where you're you're being paid, you're covering your costs, you've got the the bandwidth to be able to break the service and fix the service because that's really really important, and you at the end of it will have five case studies which will validate the next 10, 15, 20 sales. What we see is people holding back selling, trying to perfect a, a service or a solution in the background, which is probably going to break anyway, even after you spend months trying to protect, trying to perfect it. So what we what we do with any new product is we launch it, we sell it quick, we sell it cheap, we sell it at cost, and we're quite transparent around the fact that We've delivered this. We've got an idea as to how we're going to deliver this, but you are our guinea pig. Uh, and for that, we will do it at cost. Um, you'll get a, a service that in three months' time is going to be three times as much, um, and we're happy to honor the price in return for a case study, and you'll get you'll get results. So and find that. You're right. I actually I come across these things from people I know or people I may not even know. But because I understand what they're doing and I understand that, you know, I can watch it grow or not grow, I'm probably going to join. Yep. People people love being a part of that journey and they are happy to, um, so long as you don't break and ruin their company, which, you know, I can't see happening, it, particularly if you're selling a service, people are happy to go on that growth journey with you, um, particularly people in a, or companies maybe smaller companies or companies are happy to help and happy to take a punt um, much more so than people realize. Um, so sell quick and find product product market fit quite quickly. Um, give yourself those three to six months to fine tune the service whilst also, whilst also being paid. And beyond that, you can quite quickly get an agency to 10, 20 grand a month um, without really having to do too much selling in my opinion well and the thing is that once people understand what you're doing and they're in there and they're watching and they're learning they're going to stick with you for the long term i do absolutely yeah, absolutely. absolutely you can put you can put together a um we did this in one of the businesses where after those three months and it works you you incentivize the initial five customers to say, listen, if you bring me uh, two customers, I will keep you on this same rate for the next six months. So straight away, you can go from five and you can essentially double your revenue by not even having to sell, by bringing referrals through the door. Um, so there's there's things that you can do quite quickly to sell quick, find product market fit. And then once you get to those sort of 20,000 a month-ish, then you need to look to to automate some of the stuff that you don't want to do. And beyond, I would say, the 30-ish a month mark, you need to really build and hire well. And basically what you're saying is create a product. It's a good product. It's an honest product, whether it's a service or a product. 
they've got you because you're the face of it. They, you know, they can talk with you, chat with you, find, learn more, but you also make them your raving fans and they will help you. Yep. Exactly that. Massively. Exactly that. And and people will go above and beyond, like particularly in the business world. If you are honest and authentic about what you're trying to do, people buy into that. You know, we, we're human, but we're human beings. We love that. Yeah, and and also if you if you over deliver, it's it's quite rare I'd say to you know over deliver in in the B two B world. Um, so if you can do that, then they won't just be your fans; they'll refer you in. They'll be proud. You know, it's a it's a if you're part of a service, I always introduce you know people that I'm working with if they're great at their craft because it's so rare to find people um, who are you know out and out you know doing the best work they possibly can every single day that goes back to what you were talking about earlier about connecting and networking and networking to me is look i'm a highly committed introvert i fully intend to die in my sleep at 100 still plotting world domination but nobody's ever seen me i'm an (laughs) introvert but you know if when you meet up with people People, you know, I get to meet you. You're in the UK. I'm in Southwest Louisiana. I'll never meet you in my local Walmart. But I feel like you have so much to offer to my audience. And I will highly recommend you. And people do this all the time. And we, in the podcast industry, and I wanted to talk with you about that as well. I've been doing this for 15 years. That's a long time. That's elderly in the podcast industry. But I... Every week, I am sending your information to somebody else going, you, sh- you need to talk with these guys. You have got to get them on your show. I mean, it doesn't make sense to keep you close to my chest and never tell anybody about you. No, absolutely not. And it's one one of the reasons uh, me and Elle always go back to is sort of um, why we've grown, um, you know, the way we have and it's all goes back to the relationships that we've built. Um, and a lot of the relationships we've built in the business world of, uh, you know, seven, eight years old through multiple different businesses, we've, um, you know, brought people along with us. Um, and if you can see an opportunity where someone needs us, you know, needs a service, then why, you know, why stand in the way and why not network in, and make those introductions? Um, we always sort of, try our very best um to continuously make introductions where we can if we have a new client come on board you know on the onboarding call we'll jump on any other issues in the business then we'll try and find someone because there's always going to be someone in our network who can um support them with it so it's it's just continuously um you know making those connections and it's it not enough people do it in my opinion um, and it's not a hard thing to do, make make those introductions. It really isn't, and it should be done all the time. One of my very dear friends is a man called Ben Gay III, and he is known as a living sales legend. And I don't know if you all know who Dr. Napoleon Hill is, um, but everybody has read his books. I mean, think and mm-hmm. grow up, Dr. Napoleon yeah, Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Ben Gay, who is my co-host each Wednesday, um, was the final mentee of Dr. Napoleon Hill. Wow. And I know he, well, he tells some great stories, but mm. the thing is, 
he will share he's he has what he calls an invisible rolodex people who know ben or know of ben know that they can call him and say ah do you have anybody you can recommend for this and he does without fail yeah you know he learned that from napoleon hill be out there you know be kind to people and help where you can yeah absolutely and and I'm not, funnily enough, I'm not big on sort of networking events. I find it like too oh, quick. Either. Too, oh, no, no, too, no, no. Too quick fire. I'm, I'm not outgoing enough for those sort of, um, you know, in, introductory meetings. I just, I, I don't get anything from it. But um, one thing I do 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 is, so I moved to Manchester at the start of the year uh, for six months up up in the, the north of England. And before I even got there, um, I was reaching out to founders on on um, on LinkedIn and CEOs and going, look, moving to Manchester, would love to grab a coffee, you know, share share anything if I can support, I will, um, and you know, a number of different relationships have have come from that, um, and it's just those simple little things that you can do is you know if you're a business owner, trying to get away from working in the business and on the business and on your network is so key. Um, that's sort of why we don't necessarily try and work in the business on Fridays is so that we can network, we can meet people, we can have conversations. And that's what our, our Fridays are for um, is sort of networking, uh, but obviously not going to y- your networking events. No. And what you're talking about sounds perfectly rational and doable networking events. I don't know. I'm not going to stand around in a crowd because I don't do crowds with a cup of really bad wine in my hand, <laughs> somebody trying to shake the other hand, I don't like to be touched. It's not for me. <laughs> it's, I'll be right here on my podcast. Sure. <laughs> and and starting a podca- podcast or, um, you know, doing some content online. These are also great ways to, to network. It doesn't have to be in-person coffees, breakfasts. I mean, that's just what, that's what we've done for, for years now, but we also do, you know, jump on these podcasts. We um, do collaboration on content and partnerships online as well. Um, and it's just making sure once you've got that, that relationship um, and they're in, in your network, it's continuously nurturing it. Um, so we always, every few months, I'll reach out to everyone on WhatsApp anything that I can do, how, how just, it's just a, just a check-in um, and just bringing value on that journey. Yeah. Bringing value where we can. And that makes perfect sense. Listen, you don't have to be an introvert an extrovert and whatever you want to be, but you do need to connect with people, however you're going to do it and do it with empathy, kindness, and compassion. It's really all you Absolutely. need. You know, so if somebody grabs me you know by the virtual collar and won't let go and they're demanding my attention i will never speak to you again it's not going to happen yeah absolutely absolutely okay so let's talk about and i did want to go to using acquisitions but since we're talking about podcasting which to me is marketing 101 these days many people run to youtube look i go to youtube when my refrigerator breaks or my cat starts yelling at me or something. You can hear him. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. 
He's a 20 pound ginger. He wants to know what we're talking about. But, you know, I go to YouTube because I want to fix something or I have a question about something. People go to podcasts for not necessarily because they want to fix something, but they want to learn something. And and that's exactly why um, for us, when we started out on this acquisition journey um, and we were presented the opportunity to acquire speak on podcasts we knew that this was one of the biggest mediums coming or sort of today but also in the future it's not just audio um like obviously this this podcast is audio only but a lot of podcasts have a video element as well whether that be just through zoom or whether it be through you know a recorded episode where the content is repurposed um or across socials or whether it be you know, an interview that's actually published fully on on YouTube. It is, this can be dressed up in so many different ways from not only just educational, but informative, fun, lighthearted. You know, it is taking over what is traditionally, you'd, you know, you'd watch television or you'd sit down and relax on a Friday evening. You put your feet up and you'd watch, you know, normal cable telly the younger generation are going onto YouTube because they can watch whatever they want right now. Um, and they can get value from it. They can be educated. They can get their, you know, their laughs, their humor. So for us, when we were presented the opportunity to have a conversation with Mark and Jakob, um, who are the previous owners of speak on podcasts, we saw it as a huge opportunity um, because that is the way the world is going. It is. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And I say, I've been doing this for 15 years. And the reason I do it, and anybody who listens to me knows that I am a highly committed introvert. I'm not shy. And I actually don't have any filters, which can be dangerous when I'm in the grocery store and irritated. But (laughs) it's just, I started this because, and like say 15 years ago, I'm a web developer. But there are no pictures of me on the internet. There never, never happened, never will be. I read 1984 when I was a kid, scared the bejeebers out of me. And I'm an intensely private person. My privacy is very important to me. But somewhere along the line, of, and I, I know who they are still, I you know, still in touch with them on Facebook. I got invited to a podcast. I didn't know it was a podcast. I thought we were just doing an audio interview they were going to transcribe and put on their blog. And then she sent me the link to it. And I said, wait a minute, wait, what, 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 what was that? You know? So I called her and I said, what in the world, what did you do with a podcast? And that was it. I was done. I had to go do it. Fell in love. I fell in love. It's like, I can get my voice heard. I can meet people from all over the world. This is fascinating. Yeah, and we, so Dom and I started our own podcast um, a few years ago now, Dom. When was it? 2018? 2019. 2019. Um, so we, you know, we had a number of different guests on. The reason we stopped was probably like a lot of people who start a podcast, the time and effort required because we only wanted to do in-person podcasts. It was... <sighs> It was very, very intense. And obviously we were trying to get a business off the ground. We'd just both exited, trying to get social chaps off the ground. So we decided to put a put a pin in it um, and hit pause. But what we did realize, having gone through that experience and having recorded 20 or so episodes, 
we saw the value of podcasting, not only from who you meet and who you network and the, the relationships that you can build, but also the content that you can then you know, create off the back of it, the value that you can bring off the back of doing a podcast. So again, we, you know, when we were presented this opportunity to, um, to acquire SOP, it was one that we, we wanted to grab with both hands because the, the form of medium it that is podcasting is huge and it's only going to grow. Um, I think the the video side of things is only going to grow. You look at some of the biggest podcasts in the world now, you know, they, they all have their own studio. They'll all have a team of between five and 20 people producing this on a week to week basis. They are huge media network shows or the equivalent of, um, and it's only going to get bigger. It is. And yeah. I, and I, think, I immediately I think... went to, I'm sorry, Dom. I immediately yeah. thought of Joe Rogan. Who doesn't know who Joe Rogan is? Exactly. exactly. Uh, and I think it's interesting from a, from a business owner's point of view, uh, which route you want to go down as well, because you can start a podcast or you can do what we're doing, which is podcast guesting, which is going on a sort of podcast tour uh, where you go and speak on 10, 15, 20 different types of podcasts and meet people that way. So if it's if it's not wanting to start your own podcast, because it, because it is, um, you know, time, energy, and sometimes can be quite daunting starting a podcast, I find. Um, you can always sort of dip your toes into the world without having to actually go and almost create a brand um, around your podcast. Exactly. And Dom, do you, Dom, do you know any good agencies that do that? I can think <laughs> of one or two. You want me to help you out here? <laughs> no, no, no. We'll, we'll let them get this together themselves. All good. <laughs> okay. okay. So, well, thank you for that because it's, to me, podcasting is so important. And I'm actually writing a series of articles about podcast guesting because people are making a lot of mistakes mm. when it comes to being a podcast guest. And Interesting. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll write some down and send them to you. You can do what you like with them. But, you know, I, I turn away some people because just the way they approached me. Right. Okay. Yeah, like, okay, now you may be mad. <laughs> no, you cannot come on my show. Yeah, or that's, that's you're interesting. You're just not ready. You know, you just are, you're not ready. And unfortunately, because podcasting is growing so dramatically, everybody wants to be a guest or they want to be a host or they want to be both. And I am all for getting your voice heard. But if you're not ready, you're not ready. So, and I had one man, bless him. He wanted to be on my show so bad. And he <laughs> he kept coming at me for about three years. And he had oh, wow. nothing. Yeah, he had nothing. His website was just a jumble. He kept saying, but Denise, I can talk about just about anything. He had nothing. And mm. I finally said, call me. We'll talk. And I, you know, I gave him homework. I said, listen, you need to do this with your website. You need to create a one sheet. You need to have one to three topics. You don't have any topics. You have no calls to action. You don't even have a really strong social media platform going on. And he said, okay. And he's working on his homework. Yeah. And this is it. People, you know, obviously we have these conversations all the time with, with Speak on Podcasts. And a lot of, listen, we naturally have a, a slightly inflated um view of ourselves a lot of us within within business and and that's fine. Yeah. I'll speak I'll speak for myself. Yeah. <laughs> I guess quite there. 
All right, Dom. All right. Um, I completely lost my trail of thought. Uh, but what we do need to bring is we need to understand that you have to, again, it comes back to Dom, what you were saying, you have to be able to bring value. You know, we know that, all right, we might not have specific calls to actions because we didn't want, we've got obviously got a number of different businesses. This is very much around how we do things and wanting to present essentially just Dom and I and what we're trying to do rather than specific call to actions. You know, we're not necessarily selling anything. Um, the purpose of what we're doing and we're quite, we're quite transparent about it is we are trying to get our voices out there and trying to tell more people about the portfolio of agencies that we're building. And what comes with that is, you know, we'll be asked questions around, you know, what it's like to work with family and, and, over a course of 45 minutes on 20 different podcasts, you can't, there's no facade, you know, the mask, we can only be our, our, our true authentic selves. And if then people are interested in working with us or want to work with one of the agencies or are interested in selling their agency, well, they know they're going to be speaking to the same Ellen Dom that they've listened to on this podcast. And that's the purpose of what we're trying to bring. Well, let's move on then and talk about your agencies. You know, you're using acquisitions to support, to surpass the $1 million revenue, revenue milestone. Now I can't even talk. Um, <laughs> you guys talk. I'm going to mute myself. Yeah. So we, this was never the plan. Um, this was, and you'll probably hear a lot of people say that, but this was absolutely never the plan. If you would have said to me three years ago that, buying an agency um, was an option out of laughed and said, there's no way that we could do that because we don't have the cash. So the idea, I guess the first time the idea was even a possibility, Dom and I obviously started social chaps um, and we were under offer and accepted an offer by a private equity company um, where they offered to buy us out. We initially accepted Um we had eventually decided to not go with it because it wasn't the right offer for us at the time. But that was the first time that we sort of had our eyes opened by the M&A space. And over a course, over the course of sort of the next two, three years, Dom and I were presented with a couple of opportunities and we were thinking about, you know, how else do we actually grow this company? How else do we grow our own portfolios? Um, and decided to go on, a bit of a, a bit of an acquisition trail, um, and have done exactly that. So we've now got six companies in the portfolio. Some we own the majority of, some we own the minority of, um, and every single deal that we've done is completely different. What we what we can do from mine and Dom's perspective is a lot of what typical agency founders can't do. So we love all things finance, sales, operations, and we can help an agency gear towards a bigger multiple or a bigger exit. And typically founders start an agency because they've been made redundant or, you know, they don't want to work for anybody. And they start, I don't know, a branding agency because they love branding and that's what they're good at. And it starts out being just them and they get two or three clients and they have to hire and quite quickly, they've got an agency that's doing three quarters of a million a year and they've got 20 staff. And that wasn't the intention, at which point 
we have a conversation with them and we help them break through that million um that million revenue mark through our outbound strategies and our outbound mechanisms and we help gear them towards a much more organized organization organized organization that probably wasn't mm. the best words to put together mm. um organized company and help move them towards um a potential exit so that's they are the type of deals that we're doing yeah no, go ahead i'm sorry just just quickly and i think the interesting thing um, which was touched upon briefly there is when someone starts an agency usually they're a specialist and they're doing what they love what often happens is when you grow to you know 15 20 people you stop doing the thing that you love doing and you end up just managing people mm. um and they get into this sort of rut where you know they are now running a business where they've got responsibilities but they're doing the thing that they don't love so it's getting them back to what they're good at um, and putting in the right right things in place um to be able to build that business and, and get them back to enjoying themselves I was just going to ask you what advice you might have for others who are starting out and then have, they've grown and it's just out of control and they're no longer having fun, but you answered it without me even having to ask. So thank Hello, you. Okay. <laughs> <Your mind Hello. readers>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I have other questions, but honestly, I we're going to run out of time very quickly. What are some of the current trends or developments that you're seeing? Let's talk about podcast industry since we're, you know, I'm, you're on a podcast, you're a podcast agency. So let's talk about that. But what are some of the current trends or developments in that field that you're seeing other than it's going to keep growing and get on YouTube? What advice would you give people who are saying, I need to get my voice heard? Yeah. I, I, for, for me, the key thing with um, podcasting and um, especially for B2B, it's becoming their their content arm of the business um, instead of your traditional, um, you know, creating some social media assets, creating a blog separately, um, creating, you know, a social calendar. What they're doing is they're doing one to two podcasts a month. And off the back of that, they are writing two blogs. They're doing five videos five images um they're getting you know business leaders on that podcast it's becoming um their content pillar and their content arm of the business which is really interesting so some of the you know some of the people we work with or we see in the industry they're not so much bothered about being the biggest podcast in the world they're you know literally using it because it's the most efficient way to create multiple different um assets uh content assets that's how they can reach their consumers or customers, their employees. And the thing about podcasting or listening to podcasts is you can walk the dog. You can be on a treadmill. You can Absolutely. be, you don't have to sit and read something or look at images. You can even listen on YouTube without watching. So, well, I don't know why anybody would say, oh, I, you know, I can't do a podcast. They're, they're frightened. I don't know why, but I agree with you on businesses. This is the best way to reach so many people. Yeah, it's, it, it's the future. And if it's not a podcast, it is some sort of content series, which is similar to a podcast. If you don't want to go and put it on 
uh, the likes of Spotify and Brandit, then that is what we're seeing also in the industry is people doing almost content series with with business owners, which is um, which is also interesting. And it's also no. Well, I was I was just going to talk about um, because I think you've made that sound. Whilst it's absolutely accurate, people might be listening thinking, well, that sounds like an awful lot of work to create, to do two podcasts a month, then create a load of blogs off the back of it, and then create five videos and then create five images. It sounds like a lot of work. However, you can get a a small team around you, which is fairly cost effective using websites like Upwork or Fiverr, where there are podcast content editors that will do this for a couple of hundred bucks a month. Um, There are tools to, there are AI tools where you drop the link of the episode into an AI tool and it will spin out four or five different blogs based on topic of conversations that you've had on that podcast. Again, there are things that you can leverage that are fairly inexpensive to be able to create, create an awful lot of value, but also an awful lot of volume. volume of content if you were to use an agency and create that level of um that level of content they would easily be charging thousands um and i can say that with confidence because we own one that does exactly that but there are more ineffective sorry there are more cost effective ways to to produce that amount of content yeah and you know i do all of my own work you know, i'm a web developer i'm not a podcaster i don't make money doing this yet I fully intend to down the road, but right now I've been doing it because I love doing it. But everything that you ever see on social media was created by me. And honestly, it's not that difficult to do. You create a system, you create some templates in in Canva and off you go. Yep, absolutely. And and I guess that is the other movement in the space is there's AI tools um, that can do a lot of the heavy lifting at the moment. Um, and we're, you know, we're leveraging leveraging some of them and testing others, um, but they do help you move the mood, the the needle in terms of efficiency. They really do. I wanted to ask you guys before I let you go. What are some of your, in your opinion, what are some of your biggest achievements or accomplishments so far? Oh, <laughs> oh. sorry. <laughs> Thanks for the warning, Denise. Oh, <laughs> well, we're at the end of it. I might as well just clobber you before I go. Um, uh, I think, go on, Don, you can go first. Yeah, I think um, sort of going through an acquisition um, and going through that after only starting Chapman Capital in, in September. And, you know, we expected it to take about a year to do the first acquisition. We had the first one done and completed in December. Um and a, a fantastic business at that. We really sort of landed on our feet there. Um, Massively. That's a fantastic achievement um, that we can sort of both be proud of. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I would absolutely agree with that. I think um, the other thing that I'm, well, I don't know whether this is an achievement, but I think it's the, something that I'm proud of. And I think it comes down to the values that we hold as a business. I'm proud of how Dom and I, have set each company up in terms of um, the culture that they they have. And they are very people first. Um, they're very people oriented versus, don't get me wrong, we obviously want each company to be profitable and make money. But at the same time, I'm proud of how we look after people. 
um you know we try and try and develop other human beings we try to be personal personable as and when we can don't get me wrong there are you know we've obviously had to let people go there are obviously people in the last five years that we've had to part ways with however i'm proud of the things that we've done and i'm proud of the steps that we've made um to to have all of our companies as people first organizations and surround ourselves with quality human beings and help them in their lives um i'm proud of that well you should be listen elliot um i sincerely appreciate your company here today and spending time with you has been a genuine pleasure would you mind sharing your online presence and preferred means of contact for anybody in our audience who would wish to learn more about you or work with you yeah, for sure. Um, so the best way to uh, to drop us a line is on LinkedIn. Both Dom and I are are very active. Um, Elliot Chapman, two L's, one T, and Dom Chapman. Um, hopefully you can spell Dom, D-O-M. And the best email is elliot at chapman.capital. That's important. There is a Dominic Chapman on LinkedIn, and I accidentally connected with him before I thought it was the wrong. <laughs> Lucky chap. It's Dom. <laughs> yeah. It is Dom. It is Dom, not Dominic. I might go and connect with him now as well, actually. <laughs> Worlds collide. There you go. Well, listen, everybody, as we wrap up today's episode with my genuinely incredible guests, we're eager to hear your thoughts. So if you found their insights valuable and enjoyed the show, I invite you to connect with us by leaving a review and a rating on iTunes. Your feedback is crucial to our mission to inspire and empower more individuals on their journey to success. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and share your partner in Success Radio with your friends and your colleagues. And let's keep this conversation going and be sure to connect with Elliot and Dom Chapman on LinkedIn. And thank you for tuning in. Gentlemen, it has been a true pleasure speaking with you today. Denise, thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.